If you're like me, you went to bed last night feeling disappointed and embarrassed by the Bruins' latest shootout loss, this time at the hands of the Philadelphia Flyers, which now infamously came to an end thanks to a Brad Marchand whiff on an attempt that barely made it out of the center ice dot. Um, Bruins were, and specifically Marchand, were the laughing stock of hockey Twitter last night, for good reason, I guess. Uh, but the bigger issue here is that the Bruins blew a 5-2 lead for it to even get to that point. Today on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, we'll take a look back at that disappointing effort. We'll also preview tonight's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And as always, take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. My name is Ian McLaren. I'm the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren, where you'll find my Bruins analysis slash terrible dad jokes. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins, and uh, you can download, subscribe, listen, rate, and review to the podcast wherever it is that you get this and other shows of choice. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Like I said, the Bruins appeared to be well on their way to a fourth straight win last night in Philadelphia. Uh, They were leading by three goals midway through the second period, but the Flyers were able to uh, get within one by the end of the second and then tied things up in the final frame uh, before prevailing in the shootout where the Bruins have now fallen to 0-7 on the season. Um. Yeah, what can you say? The shootout struggles continue. Yaroslav Halak made four consecutive saves to start the shootout, but then he was beaten by Travis Konechny, uh, a guy that I mentioned on yesterday's podcast as someone who haunts me as one of those 2015 first-round picks that got away from the Bruins. Not that got away, but that they passed on. Um, The Boston's chances ended when Brad Marchand overskated the puck on the final attempt just lightly grazing it with the stick, but enough that it counted as an attempt. Um, Marchand said, I know the rule. If you touch it on a penalty shot, that's your shot. It's unfortunate. Tough way to lose on a play like that. We've got to be better when we have the lead. Got to do a better job with that tomorrow, that being tonight against Columbus. Um, Again, it was the talk of Twitter last night. Non-Bruins fans were yucking it up at Marchand's expense. It's difficult as a Bruins fan to not take it personally, which, which is pretty crazy. It's nothing to do with us uh, as people. The fact that we choose to be Bruins fans and that they make a gaff on the ice. Uh, but for me, I uh, had to turn off the phone and, and just go to bed and, and call it a day. Once people started to get uh, carried away with it again, the Bruins fall to zero and seven in the shootout. That's, I guess. Glass half full, seven points that they've earned, but you know another seven that they um, have left on the table. Even three or four of those, uh, they'd be in good position atop the Atlantic Division. Um, secondary scoring did come through in this one. That was a one bright spot. Anders Bjork um, scored an incredible individual play to open the scoring. David Krejci uh, later scored. To make it uh, two nothing, uh, Pasternak added his thirty sixth of the season, and then 
Uh, Charlie Coyle scored later with Krejci adding another to give the Bruins the five uh, to lead at the time. Uh, like I said, Bjork's play was probably the nicest on the night. Uh, Krejci said he's a very smart player. He's pretty strong in the puck. He sees the ice as well. I thought he had a really strong game, especially the first half. Obviously, we know that not many players had strong second halves to the game. After that, it was tough. Krejci went on. We stopped playing. We were kind of waiting for them in the neutral zone to make mistakes. Good thing is we have some time to do something about it uh, tomorrow, which, again, goes back to tonight's game against the the Blue Jackets. Uh, Zdeno Chara, who's playing, he was playing in his 1,000th game as a Bruin. We'll get to that in a moment. He said the second period specifically was not good enough. We let them uh, kind of let up from the intensity, got away from our system. That's something that if you don't play a full 60 minutes, that's going to affect your results. Um, the advanced stats community, they'll refer to this as score effects, where if you get a big lead, then teams kind of sit back and allow um, the opposition to generate, not allow, but uh, the team playing from a deficit will step up their game because they kind of have nothing to lose at that point. So the shot attempts go up. They're really pushing to play. It paid off for the Flyers as they were able to to come out uh, with the win. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, both the goaltending, that being Yaroslav Halak last night, and the defense in front of him, they can both take their share of the blame on some of those goals, especially the one four on four which tied it. You've got three different guys circling out there. It's inexcusable of the defense. He said, you're in the third period. You've got a lead that's gotten away from you. We're pretty good at buckling down. I don't know what to tell you on that particular play. No compete in front of the net. No urgency to keep the puck out of our net from three of our players. Not sure if Halak could have covered it. To be honest with you, there was a couple like that around front of the net. Basically, not a good enough job. Good for Philadelphia to get to the net and sticking around, getting inside. That's what they did at the end, and we weren't able to move them out of there and had no will to move them out of there. So pretty strong words from the head coach about the defensive effort, particularly on that Travis Sandheim's uh, game-time goal where he cleaned up a loose puck right on the doorstep despite Boston having three players around the net. Um, so yeah, pretty... Um, disappointing all around, as I mentioned off the top. The thing with this Bruins team is that, yeah, they're um, remain in, you know, contention for the President's Trophy. They're one of the top teams in the NHL at the moment. They have 66 points, which is one back of Washington and St. Louis. They have the third highest point percentage at uh, 702, which again is just below the Blues, and the Capitals. But if you dig a bit deeper, things aren't as encouraging. If we go back to the beginning of December, the Bruins are 9-5-7. and seven, So that would be 9 wins, 12 losses. If you add the regulation and overtime slash shootout losses, uh, they have a 595 point percentage, which is 12th in the NHL between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Nashville Predators. And that would be behind... Uh, Atlantic Division teams like the Lightning, who are second in point percentage since the beginning of December, and the Maple Leafs, who are tied for uh, fourth in point percentage since the beginning of December. So troubling trend there, uh, to be sure. As I've mentioned on the podcast previously, the Bruins are not really a great 
uh, possession team at the moment, particularly at five on five. They are at 49.89 right now, 16th in the NHL, meaning the opposition has an ever so slight uh, shot attempt advantage uh, on the season on average uh, over the Bruins in terms of expected goals, which takes a look more at shot quality. The Bruins are 15th at 50.25. So right now what that tells us is the Bruins are not particularly dominant in terms of shot possession or sorry, shot attempts and puck possession in five on five play. They're not really generating quality uh, shot attempts in five on five play. The fact that they have a second ranked uh, PDO of 102.3 tells us that uh, they're really being propped up right now by the fact that they have two starting level goalies. The fact is the Bruins being able to put out Tuka Rask one night, Yaroslav Halak the next, means there's no significant drop-off in net. So any um, deficiencies that they have in terms of shot attempts and shot quality is made up for at the other end of the ice, um, you know, in terms of their goaltending. Another thing working in their favor certainly is their uh, power play, which scored again last night to extend their team record to 14 games with a power play goal. Um, so if you add that all up, you know, maybe the Bruins aren't as good as, as we think here. Uh, if you look back to the record since the beginning of December, if you look at the possession stats, um, and, you know, factor in, uh, their success on the power play and their two headed monster in net, uh, when it comes down to it, five on five, they're just not really a dominant team, uh, in even strength play. And again, we saw in the four on four situation last night is when uh, they got taken advantage of. So the Bruins, you know, overall they sit in a good spot right now. Um, At the moment, they're obviously still in first in the Atlantic. They have a um, eight point lead over the lightning, albeit with uh, two games in hand. They're now 12 points ahead of the Maple Leafs. Uh, The Leafs have, one game in hand. I should say Tampa has two games in hand. Um, so both teams still somewhat within striking distance. Tampa Bay for sure with uh, two extra games to be played. Uh, the Maple Leafs have some injury issues, which we'll get to in the news and notes section. But all that to say, if the Bruins aren't careful, that lead could evaporate pretty quickly here. And hopefully they can uh, turn things around quickly and uh, get back on track here tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets, a game which we will uh, preview here in uh, in just a moment. As I mentioned, the Bruins don't have too much time to dwell on last night's loss to the Flyers, which is probably a good thing as they're back in action tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets at the moment are on the outside of the playoff picture. Uh, they are two points behind the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, in the race for uh, fifth in the Metropolitan Division, as well as the second wildcard spot. Both wildcard spots currently occupied by Metropolitan Division teams. The Bruins and Blue Jackets played uh, pretty recently, uh, January 2nd at TD Garden. The Blue Jackets beat the Bruins 2-1 in overtime. Surprise, surprise. That was one of Boston's league-leading 12 losses in either overtime or the shootout. Hence, 
the Bruins being SOL as of late. Um, yeah, what's to be said about the Blue Jackets? They're pretty banged up right now. They um, are still getting the job done. Surprisingly, full credit to uh, head coach John Tortorella for being able to get the most out of this group uh, at the moment. I, I didn't expect them to be in playoff contention after losing uh, Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, guys that they had added uh, up near the trade deadline last season. Uh, like I said, they still uh, are on the outside of the playoff picture, but within striking distance and will be motivated to uh, take advantage of a Bruins team coming in off, uh, you know, the second half or playing the second half of a back to back. Um, I mentioned the injuries, uh, starting goaltender Eunice Corpusalo is, uh, uh, out of the lineup at the moment. Elvis Merzilikins has, uh, filled in admirably for him, most recently recording his first career shutout against a very talented, uh, Vegas Golden Knights team. Um, so yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, their leading scorer at the moment is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I believe scored that overtime winner against the Bruins uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Gustav Nyquist, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, Olivier Brierkstrand, Cam Atkinson, Boone Jenner, Lick Foligno. These are guys that um, are also still in the mix for this Blue Jackets team who certainly do have the ability to uh, to beat the Bruins tonight. That's just... Um, just the reality of today's NHL, but also the fact that, uh, you know, the Bruins aren't coming off a strong effort last night against the Flyers playing their second game. in as many nights, they also played on Saturday. Uh, so, uh, they could be a bit, uh, tired, but hopefully motivated to shake off, uh, the loss against Philadelphia. Uh, David Pasternak scored his league leading 36 of the season, as I mentioned. He's now five ahead of Austin Matthews. The Bruins will be looking to extend their power play goal streak to 15 games. Um, so those are some things to keep an eye on. Tuka Rask will be getting the start as um, Halak went last night in Philadelphia. Uh, one note on Halak, I was going to mention it in the news and notes, but might as well pop it here. He announced... Sorry, Rask announced Monday that he's going to skip the All-Star game for some rest and relaxation. Uh, I mentioned before that the Bruins will be in the midst of their bye week at the same time, so he'll now have 10 days uh, for what he described as some family time to uh, rest after a long uh, run in the spring. And in his words, you know, in the hopes that he'll be playing into June again this year, he'll have to miss either... uh, a matinee game against the Penguins prior to the break or um, the first game back, I think it'll be against Winnipeg. Uh, he'll be suspended for one of those games as per league policy. Uh, and he, you know, he said it was a selfish decision. I don't really see it that way. I give him full credit for prioritizing his mental health, his physical health, uh, time with family and avoiding St. Louis in uh, the middle of winter is always a good thing as well. So Rask will be in the net tonight against Columbus. Won't be at the All-Star game, meaning only Bruce Cassidy and 
Um, David Pasternak will be representing the team. Andre Vasilevsky from the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, will be taking Rask, Rask's spot there. Um, I mentioned Chara earlier. He, like I said, participated in his 1,000th regular season game for the Bruins last night. Um, very huge, uh, yeah, moment for him to have played not just a thousand games in the NHL. That's a big deal, but to do it, uh, with an organization, obviously not the only organization that he's played with. Uh, but if you look back at, um, his run with the Bruins, which began in 2006 with him being signed as an unrestricted free agent without question, one of the most important free agent signings in league history. Uh, he helped change the trajectory of this team's history. Um, without doubt, the Bruins would not have achieved the level of success that they have over the past decade without him. And uh, the Bruins on their website, they posted a really cool look back uh, at some of uh, the best photos from his tenure with the Bruins dating back to when he signed uh, his original five-year, 37.5 million contract, which if you, if you look back at that, what a steal that was at that point uh, in his career. Uh, thank you, Ottawa, for uh, being willing to part ways with him uh, to, you know, uh, winning the Norris Trophy back in 2009. Uh, his winter classic appearances, uh, his first career hat trick, winning the cup, the parade, raising the banner, going back, uh, leading his all-star team to uh, victory in Ottawa. Uh, all these kinds of uh, moments in his uh, career with the Bruins. Uh, we've been very lucky to have him. And any game that he's in the lineup, obviously he's not as effective as he used to be. But still, um, you know, well worth having in the lineup to kill penalties, to shut down the opposition, and to just to be a leader on and off the ice. So thank you, Chara, for your service. And hopefully uh, there's still uh, quite a few games left, regular season, and more importantly, in the playoffs in your Bruins career. Um I don't see any news on any lineup changes for tonight, but keep an eye on Twitter for that in advance of the game against Columbus. Um, maybe there'll be some tinkering, but the top two lines uh, right now are pretty effective. Uh, maybe we'll see, I don't know if we'll see Bacchus in for Richie on the third line, but you know that's something that needs to be addressed sooner than later. I would love to see um, Zach Senishin get a recall or Carson Kuhlman get a recall to be placed on that spot for now, but, um, yeah, just keep an eye on Twitter and, and I'll update that throughout the day prior to puck drop. As we do every day, let's take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL, uh, which there's quite a lot to catch up on actually, since I didn't get to this segment yesterday with uh, my long running chat with, um, Rachel and Danielle from locked on flyers, which was a great chat. Um, but, uh, from yesterday, if you missed it, I don't know how you would have the, New Jersey Devils fired general manager Ray Shiro. Um, obviously, it's been a disappointing season for them. They seem to be uh, on the rise heading into this season with the acquisition of P.K. Subban, with Taylor Hall still in the mix, with Jack Hughes coming aboard, Nikita Gusev. 
Um, for whatever reason, management decided to end his tenure with the club, even though they had been improving as of late. Now that the Taylor Hall drama was behind them, uh, they even went out and beat the Lightning on the same day that Shiro was fired to end Tampa's 10-game winning streak. Um, no replacement has been named as of yet. Uh, assistant Tom Fitzgerald is in that spot as of right now. You may remember earlier in the season, Fitzgerald jumped down onto the bench to uh, stand alongside John Hines at the time when they were struggling. Um, so a weird time in New Jersey right now. But um, yeah, we'll see who they pick to lead the charge moving forward. Also from the weekend, Jonathan Huberto became the highest scoring Panther in franchise history uh, with his 420th point, I believe. So uh, good for him. And again, watch out for the Panthers. I think he set that milestone in an 8-4 win over the Maple Leafs, and the Panthers are actually uh, really within striking distance of the Maple Leafs, who, as it turns out, are really struggling injury-wise as it was announced that uh, Morgan Riley will be out of the lineup for up to eight weeks with a broken foot. Uh, The Maple Leafs recalled standout defenseman uh, Rasmus Sandin, who played excellently at the World Junior Championship. the Leafs were already without Jake Muzzin due to injury. Uh, Riley, arguably, not definitely the Leafs' best defenseman, so this will be a big hit to them. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, it could affect their ability to even qualify for the playoffs uh, if the replacements can't pull things together. Um, as I mentioned, the Metro teams have the wild card right now. Uh, it behooves the Maple Leafs to retain the third spot in the Atlantic and the Panthers are uh, within striking distance of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Maple Leafs can keep things together without uh, Morgan Riley. Um, what else? Alex Ovechkin scored twice on Monday to pass Team Mussolini for 11th place on the all-time goals list. Um, Ilya Samsonov recorded a shutout for the Capitals. If you haven't been paying attention, he seems to have supplanted Braden Holtby as the team's starter. Holtby is an unrestricted free agent this summer. And uh, with the Capitals announcing on uh, Tuesday morning that they re-signed uh, Nicholas Backstrom to a five-year contract ex- extension that pays him, I think, north of $9 million per year, which is pretty a uh, hefty price to pay for a 35-year-old. But um, that might close the door on a return for Holtby, although they seem to be in good hands with, um, you know, Samsonov stepping in to uh, lead the charge for them. Another uh, all-star note in uh, Chris Letang has been named captain of the Metro division for the all-star game. And Nico Heischer will be replacing Kyle Palmieri on the all-star team as well. Um, Palmieri, as we know, is a trade a target of sorts for the Bruins. And um, I don't think that's an injury-related thing. It's just a guy, another guy taking uh, the game off, which seems to be happening with greater regularity. Um, another injury note is that Sidney Crosby is returning for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's been cleared to play after missing upwards of 20 games. Uh, it's insane that the Penguins by point percentage, we're the best team in the league in the 
time that Crosby was out of the lineup, if you can believe it. So uh, the Bruins actually play the Penguins twice before the All-Star break. Um, so uh, obviously Crosby will be a factor in those games as the Penguins look to, um, yeah, retain uh, one of the top three spots in in the Metropolitan Division. I think that's all the news and notes for today. To mention, uh, let's just check in the rumor mill and see if there's anything Bruins-wise to keep an eye on. Actually, yes, Pierre Lebrun dropped a column on The Athletic yesterday looking forward to, you know, trades and things like that. He mentioned the Bruins as a potential suitor for Jean-Gabriel Pajot, 27-year-old center for the Ottawa Senators, who's set to become an unrestricted free agent in July. Um, he's been uh, excellent for the Senators this season, uh, and I think he's been mentioned on this podcast as well as a fit. Uh, speaking of um, potential fits for the Bruins' uh, top six forward woes, or particularly second line right wing, uh, LeBron suggests the Bruins could inquire about, I can't even believe that I'm going to say this, but Ilya Kovalchuk, if he's playing well in a month from now, he's been off to a great start for the Montreal Canadiens. The Bruins had some interest in Kovalchuk after he cut ties with the Kings, LeBron says, but they weren't ready to offer him a contract at that time. Uh, I looked it up yesterday. The Bruins and Canadians haven't made a trade since 2001. Um, the Bruins, you know, it'd be really embarrassing and humbling for them to turn to Montreal to ask for help when they could have had him at the league minimum contract to which he was signed by Mark Bergevin just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that's just ridiculous. The Bruins should have taken a look at him, especially how he's played with the Canadians. Um, that was uh, Sweeney dropping the ball on that, in my opinion. Uh, you can say it's a small sample size, but it doesn't matter. The Bruins need help immediately. Uh, Kovalchuk, even in the shootout, could have been helpful. Uh, you don't need speed in those. You just need to skid up the ice, fire the puck in the net. Right now, he has played five games for the Canadians, one goal, three assists. Uh, you can't tell me that the Bruins couldn't use uh, some of that. Um, in that same column, LeBron also says that uh, Palmieri would be a good fit with the Bruins, uh, as we said before. Uh, so that's something to look out for. Anyways, that's it for today. Thanks so much for taking some time to listen to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Hopefully, like I said, the Bruins can help us feel a bit better about the state of things with a strong 60-minute effort tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'll be looking for some 5-on-5 scoring, for some secondary scoring, um, and yeah, um, it'd be really nice for the Bruins to come out with three or four points from uh, these two back-to-back games, although that's easier said than done. Uh, but other teams don't have the luxury of putting their uh, starting goalie in the second half of the back-to-back. Or um, Yeah, so <sighs> I guess just a sigh. That's all I got for you to end the show. <sighs> just no more overtime, no more shootout losses tonight, please. Please, we beg you. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Ian McLaren. I'm the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. 
If you have some mailbag questions, hit me up. I'll get to those later on this week. Tomorrow we'll probably check in on the Atlantic Division Power Rankings and um, assess things before Boston uh, gets back on the ice uh, after these, yeah, back-to-back games. Take care, friends. Have a great Tuesday. Peace.